0: from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. 2 Kiss the Future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply you ready for this? yeah IF is the most original and heartfelt movie in years magic like this comes around once in a lifetime this Friday experience it with your whole family can we do it again? IF Ready PG Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron lemons Debro. So that was a game we saw a couple days ago. Wake Forest twenty-seven, ODU twenty-four. <laughs> that all full disclosure, I went down covered the game. I was in Norfolk, wonderful city. Took care of me. Great weather. Obviously, I don't think any of us expected that to happen. I definitely expected Wake to not play their best in that game. I didn't know about needing to come back from a pretty sizable deficit. Wake at one point was down twenty four to seven in the third quarter after a pick six. They were down seventeen, nothing to go into the half. Dave Dawson said that he thought the way they play they should have been down you know twenty eight at that point. They were fortunate not to be down that much. And then you look at everything post-game, and you go, well, Mitch somehow still had 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, The defense held ODU to the second percentile in EPA per play. That Think about that. like they defense operated on a down-to-down basis in the 98th percentile of a game. So that that I, And also, I don't really care who that comes against. It could come against Georgia. It could come against Texas. It could come against Sister Mary of the Poor. Doing something down the down is very, very hard. Limiting your opponent to basically nothing down on down, down, down is fantastic. That does not matter who you're playing. You, know, you look at it and Bill Connelly, a friend of the show, SP Plus's post-game win expectancy numbers, had Wake. About seventy-eight percent to win post game, and if you don't really know what that is, what post game win expectancy is, is essentially everything that goes into SP Plus, which is sort of a power ranking system that's forward looking, and things that go into SP Plus are things like success rate, success rate, how well you do down and down, marginal explosiveness. So not just you know are you explosive, explosive team. All right, I said, all you do, did you only have two to three in a game? What's going on here? How many scoring opportunities did you have? And what did you do with those? How often were you in positive field position? Things of that nature. That's what that's looking at. And you, when you put all of that together of what happened in this game, Wig wins that game just about four out of five times. Or 80 times out of 100 however you want eight times at 10, however you want to phrase that it's about, it was a 70% and you can easily round that up to 80, but about four out of five times Wake wins that game. So, you know, you, you kind of come out of that at first thinking, you know, Wake's lucky to win, to win that game. And, you know, they definitely, there are definitely some things that could have swung things, but you know, I think down and down they were the better team. And I don't, that's not a objective thing at, at this point. That is, a data thing at this point. It's not just a, it, it's data. You can look go back and watch the game. Down and down, they were better. And things like turnovers killed them and just made that game a lot closer than it should have been. Turnovers aren't necessarily fluky, but they're not something that's sustainable. You can't every single time think, yeah, this someone's going to have a fumble six every single time. Someone's going to have a pick six every single time. Someone's going to have both of those in these in the same game. That's not gonna. That's not sustainable. Sustainable to say, hey, cool, a field goal kicker that probably hasn't been that good. It's probably gonna miss field field goals. You know, wait got into the red zone five times, scored twenty points. Probably, kind of, you'll probably take that. You you would you want more out of that, but you'll you'll take that at that point. I mean, we'll start from the top here with Mitch. Someone asked me yesterday. Well, when this goes up Monday, someone asked me on Saturday afternoon/slash evening, what grade would I give to Mitch? And I gave him a C-, which is about what I gave Sam Hartman on the Louisville game last year, which I think is a very, very analogous game to this. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But I thought, all in all, Mitch was. Mitch could have. Mitch obviously could have been better. I thought that. The bad for Mitch wasn't necessarily the turnovers because, I mean, we can walk through the turnovers right now. First pick he throws, it looks like a duck. When you go back and watch it, the offensive line just does nothing for him. Just absolutely nothing for him. Eric Russell, the right tackle, filling in for Spencer Clapp, who was out with an ankle injury and was seen in a boot. Just So ODU is rushing, it looks like four rushers. They have a pretty simple stunt. Going on there, just a simple, just one defender loops around the other defender. Eric Russell falls to the ground. Just comp- nothing, no one touched him. Nothing, no one pushed him. He just trips and falls. The rusher gets free, and that's coming in on him, and kind of, tr- kind of trips over him, or else Mitch probably gets crushed, even more than he did. You know, the other guy that's on the stunt. Golban just kind of lets him through free reign, and Ellison has to chip him at least while he's trying to be a safety valve for Mitch. But that play is pretty much dead on arrival. The second that ball was snapped, you have an offensive lineman on the ground and a offensive lineman that just lets someone through. Like that play is dead, dead on arrival. The fumble on the red zone in the red zone was just brutal to watch, especially because it came right after a long interception return from Evan Slocum, who I thought played a fine game. I think he did. He did held on it for a while, but from watching it from the press box and watching it again, ODU did a pretty good job of just clocking up the red zone. I still kind of cringe from people trying to throw the ball from the three-yard line because three things can happen if you, when you throw the ball and two of them are bad. ODU, but you, the, part of the football is you have to give some people credit and ODU credit to them for what they were doing there. They did a great job of just not even just locking down receivers. They were just clogging up space at that point. They were just like, hey, there's just going to be no space for you to throw this football. And so Mitch is kind of sitting there trying to not force it into a bad window, especially after already throwing an interception. And they handled the pressure pretty well there. But then Trey Bowl, who's filling in, their on their fourth tight end right now because Cam Height has a concussion and has been out for a couple games now. Gavin Ellis is out with an injury. Not really sure what the deal is with him. And then Michael Froge, who would be in the number three, has been out with an upper body injury for the last since the end of spring. So they're on their fourth tight end at this point. And Trey Bull actually does a good job. He he engages hit the rusher, passes him off to Demon Cleaborne, who actually does a really good job on that, on that play. Of, and we'll get to Damon talk Demond's class blocking later, but Demond does a pretty good job of of, of handling him. So Treyball's you know kind of on his own right now, and he's looking around, he's looking for work, which is what you want to do. He's, he's he hasn't really moved from his position, but he's looking he's looking for work. Someone the block. Mitch finally bails, and Mitch kind of has to push him out of the way, ends up just losing the ball, which he just cannot do. Like that's then that, that part is one hundred percent on Mitch. No one else but him. You you've got to not lose the ball when you're trying to throw it out of bounds, throw it to someone, whatever. You can't you can't lose lose the football. This can't happen. The reason that it's I don't necessarily put the entire play on Mitch because people are like, well, why was he holding the ball so long? He was trying to escape the pocket, and while Trey Ball is looking for work, and I think that's great, uh 24 for ODU is maybe three yards in front of him. Not even that. I I don't necessarily know if he felt like he needed to stay in and just felt and thought he couldn't take him on where he was, but Trey was like actually just kind of looking around and doesn't, it looks like he just does not see the person that's three yards in front of him. And, but the second Trey turns is when that is when that guy who's kind of playing a spy start tries to hit tries to fly in and start getting to Mitch. And then Mitch is trying to break the pocket and trying to, Figure out what to do right now, and now has to push Trey Ball out of the way. And once he does, Trey Ball goes, "Oh, hey, there's someone right here. I need to go engage him." And so that's the, that's where I know there was a little bit of back and forth I had with someone on that, and I, I think it's great that he was trying to, you know, shield Mitch off, and that's usually the right thing to do there. But if there's someone like two to three yards in front of you, you got to shield that off. You get, you basically, you need to know where your surroundings are, and your surroundings gave your quarterback nowhere to escape the pocket that's not it's not worth protecting him if you're sitting there and closing him in a bubble when one of his biggest strengths is supposed to be his mobility so that and that's something that where you look at that and you go i that's not on him just for the simple fact if he's trying to get out of the pocket he's trying to move the the fumble itself is on him but it's not one of those things of he's not he was holding onto the ball because he's scared or something he's like no like i'm not going to throw it in the double coverage <laughs> so the pick six was just was brutal to watch. we're all me and a few of the other wake riders are in the press box, and the ball snapped, and we immediately see Wesley Grimes just has this guy burnt, just immediately has him just toast. But Demon Claiborne, and this is one of the one of the he had a rough go of it in the pass blocking area. For per PFF, he graded out. So that for PFF, you don't know their third party system. They grade every single NFL and college football game, every single snap, scoring a 60 scale of zero to 100. You could never really score 100. But the closer you are to that, obviously the closer you are to being an NFL player. They break things down obviously into chunks and pass blocking is one that they'll do, especially for receivers and running backs. DeMond Claymore scored a 15.4. 60 is average and 60 is usually people usually gravitate around the 60. That's just where the bell curve is. That's where things are uh, scoring a 15.4 is just not acceptable. And he's been around that 15 to 20 mark pretty much all year. Um, but on this particular play, and he, he tries a chip and just kind of like throw a shoulder into a defensive tackle that Matt Goldman has. And he does that instead of taking on the linebacker that's, it was, And it wasn't even a delay. The linebacker just comes through an A-gap, just between the guard and the center, just comes straight through. And you can see him... Re- you can see DeMond kind of react going, oh, no, and try to lunge and get him, but he can't get any piece of it. Mitch is already in his throwing motion at, at that point and gets crushed, just absolutely demolished on this pick. So it's like he was down for a bit afterwards. And... Just if if DeMond, DeMond didn't, didn't even need to stone him, didn't, didn't even need to do that. He just needed to get something of him to let Mitch be able to put something on that ball, because while Mitch has and I've seen the takes of Mitch's as this below average arm accuracy. He's not Joe Milton. He's not going to sit here and throw off his back foot and throw 80 yards. The dude's got pretty because He's got fine arm uh, arm talent. I don't really know where that comes from. But it's really hard for pretty much 95% of quarterbacks to throw something 50 yards down the field when they're getting absolutely obliterated. That it's just physically just not possible for a lot of people. And not whether you're 5'11, 6'5. If you're getting Goldberg Spear because your running back doesn't, doesn't get there, and that's something Mitch can't control. Like he had he made the right read, was throwing the was throwing the right ball someone didn't pick up a protection for him and the ball just dies in the air. So that's why like the, the turnovers, I think with them the same way as the Louisville game last year, where it was, there was a, there was definitely a throw or two where Sam just, I don't think really read things right, but there was pick six where AT just does not run the right route. Just he, just he's supposed to come back on the, on the route and just makes it and just kept it flat and just went to the sideline and it's a pick, and it's a pick, and that's that's not on Sam. Sam throws the right ball. The receiver doesn't run the right route. That's not on him. There's one, there's a fumble where the right tackle just gets edged, and there's nothing Sam can do about this because he's supposed to, he's supposed to have that protection, and next thing you know, someone's behind him that shouldn't be behind him. Like that, like stuff like that that was happening in the Louisville game where Dave Gosselin came out on Tuesday, on the Tuesday presser and was like, hey, like, not on him. I would be kind of shocked if he didn't say that about Mitch on Tuesday, because I, while there was definitely some stuff that Mitch needs, obviously the fumble, like himself, like the act of getting to it, not on him. You've got to hold on to the football, like that's on you. There were definitely times that he was sitting in the pocket for a little, a little too long. You would eventually get to the right read, and that's fine. When you know there's a lot going on with that, but you still can't hold on to the ball as long as he did at times. There is there is a sequence in the end zone where they they were fortunate to get some to get three out of it because he tried to throw two straight picks and it, I don't know if it was it didn't I couldn't tell if it was a miscommunication or the ball just went out of his hand wrong but it it was it was rough and there were definitely stuff that you're like this wasn't good but you also can't discount the fact that there are some throws that he like put on the money there was the throw to Wesley Grimes down the left sideline that i don't really know how wesley grimes didn't catch that he kind of he just bobbled it for a second i hate catch rules that's it's so dumb i i don't really care if someone catches it pulls it in and then while they're pulling while they're pulling it in it bobbles a little bit while they're stepping out of bounds like, like no like that's that's not how a shot catch should work but whatever but the throw he throws the grimes there, dime throw he throws down the sideline to jamal banks great throw he had a couple of zips to Taylor. He had a far hash to Taylor that was really impressive, at least from like an arm, an arm uh, strength facet of it. I thought that was, thought that was fine. I thought the slow mesh concept that they had for Taylor Morin's last touchdown was fantastic. They mentioned that that was a look they had earlier in the game. They did. It's, the protection didn't hold up a little a little bit, but this that time it did and. I thought it was not only a good ball because I think in the past we've seen, and this isn't just the same thing that's happened with Jamie too. In the past, we've seen that type of ball, unless they're wide, wide, wide open, we've seen that type of ball be a little underthrown and it ends up being just a you know a big catch or sometimes even incomplete, but it ends up not ending up being the the catch and run. I thought the most impressive part of that was the fact that it was a catch and run. Like he put it in stride for Taylor, and Taylor could just Catch turn go. Like you didn't have to think about anything. we catch it in stride. We couldn't go. I thought the throw to basically win the game to Jamal Banks, which was another one where I thought I, didn't, I didn't, it looked like Trey Bull, was, Trey Bull came across the line, which left the defender just basically bearing down on Mitch. And I don't really know if that was by design or just a misassignment. I don't think it's by design to have your quarterback just get bared down by a defensive end. But he has he has a defense pin right in front of him. There are three defenders essentially in the area right in front of Jamal, and he just tosses it up to the back of the end zone. I know Jamal's got at quote unquote for Mitch seven hundred thousand vertical, but that's a harder throw on the run than people really give that credit for like on throwing it on the run, making sure there's enough on it to get it over the three people in front of you that could easily jump up and try to catch it. I thought that was. That was a great throw. I thought that he had some throws that it was like, okay, cool. This is what the expectation was of you, and so that's so that's why I would give it a C minus, just because there was just there was a lot bad that you can't you can't possibly give it someone who was like, yeah, I know it's a B. You know, you really did great just because you won. Like, no, like it does help that you won the game. There's a lot of stuff you got to clean up, but you still need to be rewarded for the stuff you did well. And I think putting it at about a C minus is probably fair it's it's, it's 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 eh but you know we take it you got you went back to the well you gotta win and that's what matters and I think that's a game I think I mean that's a game that Wake Forest I put up the stat yesterday but that was the first time Wake's won a game going down 12 or more points at any time of the game since the 2018 Bel- uh, Birmingham Bowl Think about how much like Wake like scores like that. It seems incredulous that you know, a really a, a two touchdown lead, they can't they can't really overcome. They haven't even been able to overcome that. And part of that's been on the offense, part of it's been on the defense. I mean, and I think the defense played an immensely, immensely, immensely good game. I was so but obviously Jacob Roberts is the story, Walter Camp player of the week for defense. Jacob Roberts was amazing. I thought Jashin Davis. I, I keep being more and more impressed with Justin Davis. They keep putting more and more on his plate, and he keeps answering the bell. And I thought he just had it created so much havoc. I thought that Bryce Gagnon. I think they hit up right. I'm done really questioning Dave Cohen's wants on the defensive line. You know, if Dave Cohen says he wants a guy on the defensive line, sure, whatever. I think so far, the only one to not pan out has been Nick Helbig so far. I've been a little bit disappointed that Nick really hasn't gotten going. I mean, there's still a lot of a lot of season, but I mean, right now it looks like he's deaf. But I thought Bryce Gannis has week over week shown better and better and better, and he's really playing a lot better. Glenn Spencer, and we'll get to Brad Lambert, the defensive coordinator, but Glenn Spencer deserves a, a massive raise. Obviously Jacob Dylan Hazen, like on the rewatch, every single time you like kind of look at like a big play from the defense, or you look at just a you know just a normal stop, Dylan's in there. He's just in the mix. Every single time he's just in the mix. Quincy Bryant, I thought, did really well. They're doing all this without their captain and probably best player at the position and Chase Jones, too. So like these guys have been Aiden Hall has Aiden Hall honestly on special teams. Go back and look at some of those kick returns that got stopped. Aiden Hall, man, he's he, they don't need him to play right now. He, he, if they asked him to, they'd be fine. But in a next year, they'll be. He will be. He'll be good. I think he'll be good. So Glenn Spencer deserves a raise. The what Brad Lambert did game plan wise, of, and just the chess match of mixing things up. And sometimes he looked like he was going to be in a. He did a lot of he did a good job disguising what they were going to do. Looked like they were going to be in a bit of a zone coverage at times. And then they'd bring in someone I think it was Griffin Lanfer, Uh called it the domino effect, or it might have been him or Connor O'Neill, called it a domino effect uh blitz of where it was just Jacob and then Dylan and then Quincy just all just come in through the same gap, and there's nowhere for you to run. I thought that was that was sicko. I thought that was a completely sicko thing to do, and that I don't think I've seen that in a, in a while. But that was that'll that'll get you. You you look back at that in the film room, and you're just like, yeah, that that's good. That's one you throw on the film for if you're playing wake this week, if you're toward a tech and you're like, Jesus, that was like that. Sometimes you just appreciate what other people do it. Sometimes this is a copycat league. This league does a lot of just. Absolutely, just like oh cool, I, that that seems cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Mine, thank you. There was a lot Glenn did in that game. That obviously that Brad Lambert in that game was great. I thought the corners were were decent. Caleb missed the tackle, and that's pretty much the only thing I had against that. You know, Jamari got burnt once. I thought that Deshaun Deshaun got got a big play on him, but came back and made two other big plays. So I. You know, two to one. I'm fine with that ratio there. I thought Demarcus Rankin tackled fine when, in his in his limited snaps. Slocum obviously did well. Safeties were up and down. Nick Anderson was in the mix a bit. Malik Malik probably had his worst game in a year, which sucks. I mean, once he just kind of fell down and got bailed out because throw was just too far. The other one where. He just, I think he just played too flat-footed. I think he was everything he wanted to play the run, but didn't, and got caught in no man's land. And by the time he was able to flip his hips, it was just too far, and that was the one where Jamari got burnt. And you know, I think they wanted him to play deeper, and he just wasn't there. But you know, Malik's played two really, really good games and been basically good for a season and a half. He's allowed one bad game here and there. You know, take it, move on to next week. That's a team that you're gonna have some bust against. I I mentioned it during the film room when I did. Also, if you don't I'm not jump in the film rooms, I do one on Mondays and Thursdays every week. Uh Mondays are a review of the game. Thursdays a preview of the opponent for the next for that week. I mentioned in the in the preview for Old Dominion that you know, this was a team that will you'll just you'll just bust a couple and they'll probably score 14 points on you just for you busting coverages. They got 10 points off of you busting coverages. So it's pretty close there. But I thought all in all Wake's defense did a damn good job. I thought they were they did exactly what you wanted to do there. And you know, I'm very, very proud of that. Does that mean that they'll do it again this week? I don't know. But I think it's I there have been so many more encouraging signs from this week, this year to last year in terms of the defense. I think last year they were still letting the ball go over their head a ton. Even in that Liberty game, that Liberty game, they like they felt like they got lost like so many times. Like, Gavin and JJ felt like they got cooked a bunch in that. And that Liberty game, I know someone tried to equate this one to the Liberty game, which which is fair. You no know, non non conference G five school. I thought the Liberty game was more of Wake. It was Wake jumped out to a lead and then could not run the ball the entire game. Just they just could not run the ball at all. And on defense, they just started getting cooked by they were just so undisciplined. Just so, so, so undisciplined. And it just burned them multiple times. This time the defense was just good all it was just they were very good all game. That was more, probably the best defensive I not opponent adjusted, but I think that was probably the best defense I've seen from Wake in a few years. Like that was that was a solid 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 game all around you got the turnovers you got your good down the down limited explosives kudos to you I just the negative the negatives on this game are just kind of are hard because it's just like I mean we see them obviously like turnovers like that's bad like you can't do that like, you can't like you cannot turn the ball over what was that three times every game and they haven't done it every game, but you can't turn ball over three times and do it. I think one of the big things that you're hoping for in the next week is getting some of these guys on the offense back, man. You, I, you need them back. You need them back from a passing perspective while Eric Russell. Cause I think the, I think the offensive line played probably the worst 20 to 22 minutes. I have seen them play in a very long time and they weren't exactly clean the rest of the way. Although Devontae Gordon, Devontae Gordon has also just been a stud this this year. I wouldn't put that out there. He's been, he's one of those guys that you just do not notice. And that's good for an offensive lineman. He's pan kicked a few people, but if someone's on him, you don't really notice where Devontae Gordon is. He just does does his work, finishes the job. Cool. Um, Yeah. I thought for about 20 minutes or so, 20 20 to 22 minutes, that that offensive line looked absolutely terrible. They were, penalties everywhere that it just the penalties hurt so much because it was you know you can get you can you you don't want your person your team to give up sacks or qb hits and all this stuff is going to keep your quarterback clean but there is there was there were two different drives where wakes just driving down the field and the drive just gets stunk up and just thrown in the trash because and illegal hands to the face or a legal snap. And you're just like, well, what am I supposed to do about this? Now it's first and 15. Now the cool they can just rush three or four and just clog up the rest of the rest of the area. Cool. Now it looks like our wide receivers suck because they're sitting here dropping seven and eight. And now we're sitting here like, oh, well, I can't, I don't want to throw a pick. I've already thrown a pick. That was the most frustrating thing. There was this, there was one play, I think it was a passage Jamal where Edward, Justice Ellison flat lines a guy, just absolutely crushes a linebacker coming in on a blitz. It was stupendous. And they call it a legal hand to the face on Larry Russell. And instead of it being like an like I think it's like a 13 or 14 yard pass to Jamal Banks, it ends up being minus 15. Like that's a that's a huge that is a 30 that is a 30 yard swing in where you were supposed to be. That's insane. And like that May, and that made things kind of go even worse because there are times you thought the play that you thought the team was, gonna, was gonna get going to, was going to start going and everything. And then, you know, there's the drive of about two minutes left in the first half. And it's like quick pass and quick pass. And then Mitch scrambles for 11 yards and then gets an, uh, and then he, uh, yeah, he scrambles for, for like 11 yards. And then, you know, you draw your pass midfield, a legal snap, and then you're like, cool, now it's first and 15, and I've got to just throw it three straight times on, or on on first and 15 when they're already sitting here just playing deep. It's stuff like that sucks. Like, that stuff is good. That's the stuff that'll kill you. Obviously, the the penalty – obviously, the turnovers will kill you, but, like, you you can clean that up. You've got to clean up the penalties. This is supposed to be the thing that you're not supposed to be doing is – Dave Gotham team is supposed to be a not penalized team, and doing that is just absolutely brutal. Like I'm looking through the, the drive chart right now, and it's just the one where Eric Russell gets the hands to the face probably hurts the worst because you're down. That that was when you went down, I believe, seventeen nothing. Yeah, that was when you went down seventeen. Uh, excuse me, was when you went down fourteen nothing. And you're like, you know what? We're gonna leave that behind us. We're gonna get there. And it's six yard out route to Taylor Morin. Uh, ten yard pass to Jamal Banks. You know, incomplete pass, whatever. Mitch scrambles for ten yards, and then basically, and then you find out, oh, cool, someone else is holding. That's why he couldn't throw the ball. Add another ten yards on there. Now you're on the ODU twenty nine. Like, that's that's where that kills you. You're on the twenty nine yard line. And you got a back You're on 29 yard early, and you throw a twelve yard pass, and you get a fifteen yard penalty. That that that's infuriating for a coach. You're driving. You you're putting all that bull crap like behind you, and then now instead of being on the ODU fifteen, I'm on. I'm basically back at midfield. Come on, man. That and I think that's one of the drives. If they even get a field goal there. You start getting a little better, start feeling a little better about where they are in the game. And, you know, you feel better. Okay, cool. They can pull this together. And then, no, it's just like, nope, sorry. Drive's done. But I think that gets cleaned up when people get back. I think Spencer Clapp getting back soon would be absolutely huge. I know he was in a boot. I'm hoping that was more precautionary than that was actually you know necessary. I mean he looked like he was well during pre warm warms like they looked like he was walking around just fine. Just kind of like stretching it and like not hitting it on the ground, but was was move was moving around like someone's like, okay, cool, well, you know, I can kind of move this a bit. But it wasn't encouraging that he just didn't even warm up in pads. So we'll see how this goes for this week. But him getting him back getting at least one of cam Hyde and gavin ellis back and i and i think i think you can still play trey bowl because i think trey bowl did some good stuff in the passing game well in the past blocking game i think in the passing game himself like he the route running is just not there right now it's just not um, there are times he just kind of got bullied up a lot of times he got bullied off the ball i thought the receivers did it well did a good job of handling the physicality at times i didn't think he did that much and i don't want to make this a dash on Trey Bold because I think he's he served a very important purpose and wasn't the wasn't going to be the reason they lost. But you know, you, you're playing with your fourth string tight end right now, like that's a reality you're doing. You're playing with probably you're playing with your third option at right tackle. I mean, we saw this last week against Vanderbilt where when Spencer Clapp was out, it wasn't Eric Russell coming in. Matt Goldman was playing right tackle and did a pretty good job of that. And I think that's, I've seen, I saw a bunch of stuff of like where, you know, Wake's not really up to snuff in the, in the red zone, especially for the running game, and which I have agreed, which I agree with. But I do think a big factor with that the last two games has been who's been healthy. Because I think a big thing with that jumbo package when they brought it out in the Elon game was you had your starting five of Spencer Clapp. You had Michael Jergens, Luke Pettibone, Nick Sharp, and Devontae Gordon. Your starting five. Then, if you want to put in two offensive linemen or just one, let's say like two, then you can put in Spencer Clapp and and Eric Russell. But let's say you have one, so you've got a, a six guy. Um, well, let's say seven, yeah, seven. So you'll have those seven. You'll have Mitch obviously, and then you can have two tight ends in there, and you can have Cam Height and Gavin Ellis. I know I put Ryan DuPont in there for, for time to time, maybe two running backs. Like where your blocking is coming from is really just diminishing because instead of you having your real starting five and then putting in, you know, two offensive linemen and then two tight ends that are like, you know, your top of the top, now you're sitting here and putting in probably your third backup on the on the offensive line. You're putting your, sec- your first backup and your third backup on the offensive line. And you're putting in your fourth and fifth string tight ends. Like, at that point, the ta- I think the talent advantage starts being real diminished when, when you're at your fourth and fifth tight end. Like, they're, they're, those guys are at the bottom of the pole for a reason. Not by saying they're terrible at football, but you, know, you have your starters and your second string, your third string for a reason. When you're trying to run the ball and you need that um, oomph, it's probably more favorable to have your stronger and just better people out there. And so I don't think it's necessarily a surprise when you're sitting here trying to run this jumbo package and you're running it with your, you know, I know Matt Goldman's kind of a co-starter, but you're running it with, you know, your second option at right guard and your third option at right tackle. And then you're pulling in, you know, a guy like Zach Vaughn Who's your fourth or fifth option off the bench at offensive line and your fourth and fifth option at tight end that things aren't necessarily going well regardless of the opponent so I think you you just need to get healthy if you're to, if you're gonna use that package. I think it will probably be fine next week against Georgia Tech and this is where I kind of' I'll, I'll, I'll shift over actually in a little bit, but I think it'll be fine next week, but I think they're going to struggle in those short yardages until they get healthy. That's going to be the big, it's just, they're just, they're teetering right now and they've got to find a stable point of staying healthy, which has been annoying because it looks like they've stayed pretty healthy outside of Nick Sharp. Nick Sharp and Brendan Harris are two, two injuries that have happened all year in game. Everything else has been in practice, which sucks. So, I'm kinda tying the knot on the ODU game. I I you you can't I'm glad you didn't lose to ODU. I'm glad you didn't. I'm hoping that's a wake up call. I'm glad it's a game that you won because you know winning's just preferred, obviously. You can clean things up. There's nothing that can can't be cleaned up that happened in the film room. You see everything, and it's just okay, cool. Everything that happened can be cleaned up in the film room. It, it, nothing there was, nothing there was bad enough where you go, oh no, we can't do anything at this point. Demon Cleveland, one for example, him pass blocking. Uh, the thing that that encourages you is that he looks willing and able to, to be a pass blocker. It's just refining it to say, hey, you need to be, you need to pick the right, pick the specific person, the right person. And need to actually engage him and stonewall him. Like it's it's just taking the next step. At first, I thought first I felt like it was a thing of being willing. Now I think it's just the thing of you know working through the kinks there. So I think he'll get there. That's that was more encouraging to me than him just completely just you know losing track and be like, oh no, am I supposed to block anyone? It's like, no, he's actually trying to take on blocks. That's good. I think Mitch will be fine. I think I think Mitch will be fine. Four games is just not a lot to tell about anyone, and he's been argued he's just been fine for, for for four games. The first three games of this week of this year, one game last year. It'll be fine. Um, I don't know what a ceiling is. I don't think I know what anyone's ceiling is through four games, though. And so that's the I don't know if it's necessarily a worrying point, but it's a the team trusts him so until you know things spiral like you know, and it's just an unwinnable situation. You know, we, we, last year we, we, we've stuck by a a quarterback who would have similar games to that and we, we stuck by it and gonna do it here too. Yeah, that's just kind of, kind of is what it is. I do, I do just think it's funny at times when I see stuff like, you know, Mitch can't run the ball and then you sit here and say, well, he had three runs on Saturday of 10 or more yards. And, you know, I think I think one of the things was that he's not as good of a runner as Sam Hartman, and someone asked the question of well, how many times does Sam Hartman run the ball 10 or, 10 or more yards in a game, well, th- well three times in, in one game. It's happened once ever. It was UNC in uh, 2021, according to PFF. So, you know, Mitch running it three times for 10-plus yards is, you know, you, it's something we're not really accustomed to at this at this stage. I think he needs to get better about deciding when to run. But the ability of him running in stays is. Something that I've seen on multiple different platforms. That I don't really understand. But you know I think we're, we're just going through the process. We're figuring out who who Mitch is. I think Mitch is still figuring out who Mitch is. And I think that's an important part to really. Note is. I don't know if Mitch knows who he is just yet. I think he has an idea but I don't think he's at the level right now of this is who he is. And I think that's, I think the quarterback position is just fickle. It's just hard. It's the, it's the hardest thing to project because it's something you cannot rep outside of actual games. You can scrimmage all you want. You can do all the things you can. They play, they basically throw on it, throw against air. Most of the time, you're not getting hit. There's no situation where I can sit here and say, all right, cool. I'm going to let you, Take a shot from Jasheen Davis in practice. Throw four picks. Let's see what happens to you. Like I, you can't. There's just those situations you can't replicate in practice. So, I think Mitch is figuring out who he is. And I think you know, once we get seven, eight, nine games in the season, we'll figure out more about who Nick is, who Mitch is. Turn the page to Georgia Tech. So, my prediction for. This last week was that week was going to struggle a little bit. I thought they'd cover, but I thought they'd struggle for about two to three quarters. Ole Miss, would, who I think is an absolutely frothy team, still kind of think that. Ole Miss is going to come out here and lay a little bit of a goose egg. Georgia Tech covers a 20.5-point spread. Went down to 17, but I still bet it at 20.5. For a while, that was looking pretty pretty much a solid, solid thing. Uh, Georgia Tech came back against Ole Miss. They brought it back to I think it was within a, I believe it was within three points at at one point. I'm playing with the box score right now, but yeah, I think it was at. They got it down to yeah seven points. They got it down to twenty four seventeen, and then Ole Miss just ran the ball down their throats. And I don't mean that just like oh no, they ran fine. They they thirty seven rushes for. 299, so 300 yards. They ran all over Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech ran over the, all over them. Ains King had about 300 yards and two touchdowns. ADOT wasn't great. This Georgia Tech team is weird. I My entire thought process on them since this before the season started was I thought they'd be a scrappy team that's just not good enough to win in the league. They're gonna get somebody. I don't know who that is. I mean, they might be a Boston College because I know Boston College put up a big fight against FSU. That might have been the last breath. They might get a Virginia. They always play in North Carolina super closely. Um, but I don't think this is the game for it. I think that teams that can run the ball successfully because they on them, because they're like a Vanderbilt in the sense of I don't think their corners are very good. And they're gonna and they like to hide them. They like to hide them a lot. And that allows people to run the ball really all over them. Jordan uh Louisville was the same way in the opener. 34 rushes for 227 yards and touchdown. I think this is a, a team that. Has a very clear flaw, and I think they have a deficit on both the offensive line and the defensive line, and it's it it's going to cost them some games. I think Haynes King is fine; his motion is is hilarious, uh, but but I mean, this is a game obviously take seriously. I think it opened as an eight point eight point favorites at the time of this recording. I believe it's down to six and a half. Looks like it looks like it's seven around the board right now. So, seven around the board right now. It's about a touchdown favorite for Wake Forest. Feels about right for me. I think this is, but I think this is a game that Wake should be favored in. And I don't think it's necessarily something they win by 20 points. But I think this is one where you would absolutely. Uh, their projection systems will have this as a solid wake favor like, I think s v plus has this at about fourteen. I would imagine f e i has it about fourteen as well. Uh, this is one where pretty much all the metrics and you look at the tell me you go okay, this this probably should be a one another one where wake comes out on top by about ten points or so so but you, obviously you can't overlook short Tech. I think they pass the ball. Pretty decently, so that's gonna be something to watch for, for for week. And I just think just being scrapped, man. Like sometimes, sometimes vibes are 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 good. I I bet on West Virginia over Pitt it's last week because the vibes in West Virginia were just that much better than than Pitt. And so I'm trying to get a sense of what the vibes are at in in Atlanta right now think things are fine it's just because like they they just weren't gonna be a good team this year there's someone that i think had like a over under like four and a half or something like that this was a team that i i still think this will be a win for wake i think it'd be kind of a tough it out win but i also don't think it it says anything about you that you have to tough it out because i think we're all kind of i think there are a lot of people who are really high on louisville this year and louisville had to had to scrap for that win Ole miss ended up pulling away last week, but they were at a point that they had to scrap for that a bit. And so I think this will be a good test. I think it's a good warm-up. I think, you know, if if Wake wins, I think this could be viewed as a very good warm-up game for them. Of a you're not gonna sit here and you're not getting a Boston College, you're not getting a UVA, you're not getting Virginia Tech just yet. You're getting a team in, in Georgia Tech that you're gonna be a solid favorite against. Like a touchdown plus is, is a pretty solid favorite. But it's one of those that you you feel like you need to have the intensity up every single time. If you're a 10 to 14 point favorite against an ODU or Elon or not Elon, but ODU or Bandy or, some, or something like that, I think the intensity of those games can be a bit of a lull because not because I don't think the, the kids know the spread of the game, but I think it from a perspective of this is a conference game. This is a game that, you know, these guys are going to be are pretty equal to you in terms of like size and probably athletic ability at some points. Like Georgia Tech recruits well, well enough. And they they dip into the portal a decent amount. So there's some there's some athletes on this team. So, you know, this is not one where you're going to look at them and be like, um you know, a bunch of scrubs over here. You know, I can kind of walk through my routes and I can walk through my my passing sets and I can walk through my rushes and I can I don't have to jam as much on that as a corner. No, this is one where you, you you get your ass beat, and but I think it's one that you can start you can start grinding your axe and saw and start sharp start sharp sharpening it. I can't say the word sharpen sometimes. Uh, you can start sharpening your axe and go, okay, you know this is what we really needed to to really get into the the meat of the schedule, and so I'm excited. I think it'll be a fun game. There, I don't. I really have an early prediction of the score, but I think early. Obviously, I think Wake wins this one. And as long as you don't throw two interceptions and a pick six and a in a fumble six, I think you'll be fine here. I think Wake will will be able to run the ball on them. And I think if Wake is able to run the ball very successfully in the game, their chances doing Scott Steiner Scott Steiner math. math uh, the chances drastically go up. They, I, I think this will be a, a solid watch. I, I, I'm actually excited because I think this. Is, at first, I thought you know the first four to six games, you wouldn't learn a lot about this team. I didn't think we learn anything in the first two games? Really, game three, I thought I think we learned a little bit about the resiliency of the team, which you know it's always the morale booster. Yeah, resiliency, woohoo! But no, but I think that is a very interesting point. Like we always talk about in November, October, November, December. Wow, this, these teams haven't been tested. Sometimes that's from a perspective of, you know, in the rankings, like oh, they haven't really been tested. But I think it's actually a, a thing when, it, when you when you look at, you know, will they win this game? Yes, no, down the stretch. And I look, you look at it from last year. The warning signs were there, just pretty much, and it and it just kept coming up, and kept coming up. It, they were they were resilient in, in the Liberty game, but you see the the Clemson game that just kind of fell apart on pretty much both kicking and defense and offense. All three all three areas didn't do what they need to do towards the end of the game. UNC game, Duke game, and the NC State game. Like You had four different games where that resiliency just wasn't there. And, you know, I think there's a difference in a super fan of Malik Mustafa commented on something I said on Saturday where I said – That Wake escaped in the game, and they were like, No, 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 like, I don't think that's correct. Actually, I want to get this tweet completely right, or this X, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so they said, Edit, I I said, Sheen Davis and Jacob Roberts get on the fourth and nine, Wake Forest will escape, and they said, Edit, escape with prevail. And well, she has in her profile, it's Malik Mustafa's mom, (laughs) but and I. I was like, fair, you know, like framing is important in this role. It is a very, my job is not exactly, is not to you know tell you what you need to think, or how you need to think it's to frame it in the correct, in the correct manner. So that way you can understand it and framing something like Saturday being an escape plan isn't necessarily the right connotation or it isn't a box to put it in. Because I, when I think of escape, I honestly think of these, I honestly think of that Liberty game as an escape. You were up a bunch You let them come, you let them come all the way back in that game. And you had to not only take the lead again, but you had to sit here and defend a two point conversion to win the game. That's an escape. This, where you were just down essentially the entire game until what, like six minutes left in the fourth. This was not an escape. This was, this was you went out and won it in all three phases. In that in that second half. You you kicked you kicked the ball off well in the second half. You covered it especially well, especially when there's I think there was like two touchbacks and then the rest of it, you covered it extremely well. Your defense showed the hell up. Every single down. Showed the hell up. And on offense, you know, it wasn't clean, but you needed you needed 18 points and you got 20. So I, I thought you. I thought you did. You did well in when you needed to, and I think that's more so prevailing and going on winning the football game versus survive in advance. So, I think there's different box there, and I think you know learning about that possibly means better things for the future when they play closer games. One thing I did want to mention about the game, though, that I was really little not perturbed about but intrigued was. They let they're they've let corners at least in wake games the last few the last few games play pretty pretty aggressively and it's been both sides and I, I I've kind of noticed it more on the wake side but I really noticed it last week in terms of uh, in terms of wakes I noticed it this week in terms of both, really both sides. All the ball they've been letting, like in wake games they've been letting things go. Like there's contact is 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 fine. And I think that's something that's caught some people off guard. I think people are kind of used to some some PIs coming in, and I think they're turned like, well, was, you know, you're missing AT and missing Donnie. And it's like, I, I think they're just not calling it. Like I think just just both ways. We're just from in Waking right now, they're just not calling PI either way. Which I think is good because, you know, whatever especially for the offense. Now I'm just like, just call offense. Just, just commit OPI. You're not going to throw it. Just, just do it. You've, the one for Jamal in the end zone was weird. That was not OPI, whatever. Um, but I, I think it's not a bad thing, but I think it's something to be adjust adjustment about because there are times big forest does just run the PI offense. It happens. Sorry. When you get, a, when you get those calls for six years, people are going to run you're going to run that offense. And I think that's something they need to adjust a little bit in terms of the offenses. If they're just not going to get the calls because they're fighting for, they're fighting for the ball. Like I know Keyshawn made a point the other day to say, yeah, I need to do a better job fighting for the fighting back for it. However, they're, they've been fighting for it. Just like I getting calls and vice versa. There was, there was a cut. There was one, there was, there was two that Deshaun Jones was involved in on Saturday. One of them in the end zone. I I thought, Probably should have been PI on him. The one on the I think it was the last drive of the game. Don't reward a bad throw. Did, no, that was good. Good no call. Don't reward, reward a bad throw. But they know. I think that I, it was good because I think in around the second quarter, Wake started realizing that they were just letting the corners just be aggressive and pull and tug and kind of really do what they wanted. And I think Wake's corners just said, "Okay, cool, we're going to do that too." So. Thank you all for listening. Always enjoy doing these. Love putting these these out for you guys. And as always, good Deeks. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You are going want to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd. Exclusively on Paramount+.